Welcome to the Matters of the Heart podcast with your girl, Zoe Alexandra. Here at Matters of the Heart, your heart matters to God, so it matters to us too. Our motto is whole hearts, sound minds, and healed people because we believe God wants that for this generation. So I've created the Matters of the Heart community for women just like you. Women who are strong, resilient, women who know they don't want their trauma and brokenness to define their story and dictate their lives anymore. Woman of God, you are loved, you are chosen, and brokenness is not your final destination. You better believe that. Join me each week as we journey together into the matters of the heart and grow with God into wholeness and freedom. This time you don't have to do it alone, girl. Hey guys, it's your girl Zoe Alexandra, and I'm back for another episode of Matters of the Heart. Guys, I pray you've had a beautiful uh, month so far. I pray this month has been filled with joy. I pray it's been filled with excitement. And guys, yeah, we're here again, back again for another week. And I'm so excited about this message because I really feel like it's going to be able to help somebody get free. So before we jump into that message, I have my quick word of wisdom for this week. And this word is... Um, you know, it's so crazy. Sorry. <laughs> I'm always interrupting myself, but it's so crazy because I said, Holy Spirit, what word of wisdom should I give this week? And what he said straight away is fear is not your friend. And I thought, Ooh, maybe it's for me too, because what was that all about? You know, but the word of wisdom for this week is fear is not your friend. Fear is not your bedroom. Fear is not your Cody. Fear is not your sidekick. As a child of God, fear has got nothing to do with you. Fear is not your associate. Fear is not your friend. And the thing about fear is it works in opposition to our faith. What we don't realise is that fear slows us down. Fear causes us to shrink ourselves. Fear fills us with a spirit of doubt. Fear causes us to question God. And it inhibits us from sometimes even developing deep and meaningful relationships with people. Fear stops us from taking risks, and I'm guilty of that too. Fear can cause us to miss great opportunities. And so fear is not your friend. You have got nothing to do with that spirit of fear. And so I wanted to encourage you today. If you have been dealing with a spirit of fear, the Bible says that the perfect love of God casts out fear. That there's something about the love of God that when it comes into contact with fear inside of us, it displaces it. This is like a miracle. Like, (laughs) Who knew that love could rid our hearts of fear, but only the love of God. Because there's something about the love of God that's so secure there's something about the love of God that gives us this sense of safety there's something about the love of God that brings us a revelation of him as our father that causes us to know that we have no real reason to fear and so I pray for you that if you've been dealing with a spirit of fear that God would rid your vessel of that fear today in the name of Jesus and his love would come and illuminate your heart And his love would be revealed in your heart. That fear would have no place in you ever again. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay guys, so as you can see for the episode today, it is called No Condemnation. Okay, it's really not. (laughs) 
clearly I'm in a silly mood today. Do not take any notice of me. But today's episode is called No Condemnation. Somebody needs to say that in their household. No Condemnation. Because, as you know, this month we have been dealing with those issues that perhaps we've carried them into 2023, but they should have been left in 2022 where they belonged. Okay? So a lot of the things that might have happened or some of the things that I say that could have happened in your 2022 could have been maybe you fell into sin. Perhaps you made a mistake. Perhaps you made a bad decision and you did things that you regret. And now you have come into 2023 with this weight of condemnation on your neck. You are dealing with a spirit of condemnation. And a lot of the time with the spirit of condemnation, you also find a spirit of guilt. You also find uh, shame as well. Guilt and shame love a bit of condemnation. And you've come into this year and you are filled with regret from what you did in 2022. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit. Because you don't need to be sitting there dealing with condemnation when we are free in Christ. Hallelujah. And so first we're going to look at the scripture because every time you feel something in your vessel, you have to begin to learn to find out what the truth of God's word says. And I'm sure you've heard this scripture, but somehow it may not have really taken root in your heart just yet. And so in Romans 8, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And even the way that Paul set up this argument, if we just read this alone, it indicates to us he must have been saying something before in relation to what he said in Romans 8. And so let's go back to Romans 7 and see what he said. Because he was clearly making a logical kind of argument. For he said in Romans 7, for... I do not understand my own actions. How many of us can relate to this? Me, I don't understand myself as well most times. (laughs) For I do not do what I want to do, but the very thing I hate, I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh, For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do is what I keep on doing. How many of us can relate to that? He goes on to say, Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And he goes on to say, oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Who will deliver me from this body of death? 
And so what I love so much about uh, this chapter in the book of Romans, chapter 7 and chapter 8, you kind of can't read them separately. And although the Bible has been chopped up into chapters, we always have to remember that it wasn't written in that format. Some of them, yes, they were written separately, but sometimes you can even tell that these chapters were actually written at the same time because they're a continuous argument. The breakdown of the word is just makes it easier for us to read. And so we see in chapter seven that Paul begins to detail this tussle, this tug of war that we all experience as children of God. How many of us can relate to what he said? Ah, the thing I know I should not do. Why am I doing it? Yet the things I know I should do, the prayers I should be praying, the fasting I should be completing, the word I should be reading, the time I should be spending with my family, the kindness I should be extending to my friends and those who love me. I don't do it, but it's fornicating on the weekend, but it's drinking when I'm going out, but it's dressing in a way that I don't please, that I know doesn't please God. It's using bad language. It's thinking of impure thoughts that I'm doing. Why am I doing this? I don't even want to do it, but there's a war going on on the inside of us. There's this war. And to truly understand this war, we have to begin to understand the way we're made up now as, as men. Men and women, okay, when I say men, I mean people before people get offended with a different generation now. <laughs> As human beings, we are comprised of our spirit, our soul, and our body, our flesh. And so when Adam fell, we all became sinners. It's like someone used the example of a Mona Lisa painting. Imagine if someone spilled coffee on it, and now every co copy of that Mona Lisa is going to have a coffee stain on it. And that's the same with us. So even when people feel like they aren't sinners, we have sin on the inside of us because now we are, uh, we all come from Adam and Adam fell and he became a sinner. Eve became a sinner. And so we all are sinners because of the fall of Adam and Eve. Okay. And so what happens is that when we have received Jesus Christ, well, and then, okay, I'll, I'll say this actually, I'll go back. So that happened. But remember when God was creating the, the heavens and the earth and he breathed life into Adam that now the life of God on the inside of us the word there is nefesh which refers to a soul so God gave man a soul and think about it when somebody dies when somebody passes away what happens is the person is no longer with us their soul has less left them but what happens their body is still present so we have a soul the soul is is our life it's who we are it's God breathes his life into men and that gives us a soul and so we are, when we are without God, we are human beings in a, mort in a mortal body in flesh with a living soul, right? And then what happens then? When we receive Jesus Christ, when we accept that he is our Lord and Savior, we now, our spirit now comes alive again. Our spirit comes alive and we, the Holy Spirit of the living God lives on the inside of us. Our spirit is now alive. And so what happens is there's this war going on between the flesh, even sometimes between our soul. Our soul is normally where we can often dwell living in our feelings, living in our emotions, right? But the spirit is alive to God. The spirit loves the things of God. The spirit loves the word of God in us. The spirit loves the presence of God. The spirit on the inside of us loves to pray, loves to fast, loves to seek the face of God. But this flesh that we are in, this body that has the stain of sin in it, is always fighting against the spirit. Which is why we fast, to subdue the flesh. 
and ensure that our spirit is the thing that our whole vessel is surrendered and submitted to. And so Paul highlights this tussle. He highlights this war going on on the inside of him. Although he doesn't want to do a thing, he still does it because maybe the flesh at this point is still more powerful. It's too powerful. Not that the God can't overcome it, but it still has too much influence at this point, even for Paul. And it's a constant war going on at the same time, all the time. And so our spirit now has been made alive in God, but our flesh is wretched, still filled with sin, our flesh, not our spirit. And it's still beefing God. It's still at enmity with God, desiring to sin. And so what I love so much about this is that when Paul goes through this statement of, I don't want to do these things and I end up doing them. And even though I don't want to do it, I realise it's not me anymore. It's this flesh. And so it's a realisation this flesh must be crucified. But he makes this declaration. He says, who will deliver me? from this body of death and he says thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord thanks be to God that we know that we're not going to have to live in this wretched body of sin forever why this is because of the finished work of Jesus Christ we know now that we've received him and that by his grace we'll be glorified with him and our bodies our physical bodies may die but our spirits will be with him forever will be glorified, living, reigning with him in glory. Hallelujah. And so because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, we know that we will be liberated from the presence of sin. But there's something else as well. But there's something else as well that we have to know. Because of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ, we can have, now have the confidence that we are not going to be stuck living in this body of sin forever when we are when we receive jesus christ we are justified that is, you can remember it like just as if we've never sinned washed clean forgiven imputed righteousness and then we go on this journey throughout our walk with god of sanctification where the holy spirit is helping us become free from the power of sin and then we end up being glorified by his grace where we are then free from the presence of sin and so we know that we're not going to have to live in this flesh we're not going to have to be battling with this flesh forever because we have received him and our eternity is with god free from sin hallelujah somebody needs to give god praise for that but because of jesus christ and because of the work of christ we also now know that there is now no condemnation for us who believe in him the Bible says that there's no condemnation for the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. So what does this really mean? We now have no condemnation because the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Two different laws. So let's look at the word no condemnation. And so the word condemnation in the Greek means katakrima. And this word means no adverse sentence. Okay? No adverse sentence. So Paul says there is now no adverse sentence for those who are in Christ Jesus. Stay with me. 
There is now no adverse sentence for those who are in Christ Jesus. Earlier we just read, there's no condemnation, no adverse sentence for the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. The Bible speaks about how sin leads to death. But when Jesus Christ came, he paid the price for us. Jesus Christ was judged for our sin and our transgressions. And he was he crucified our sin, our transgressions. He crucified guilt. He crucified shame. He crucified depression. He crucified illnesses on the cross when he died. Christ paid the price for us. So that we would not receive the judgment that is owed to us. Christ paid the price for us so that there would be no adverse sentence for us. If Christ had not died for us, it means that we should be judged for our sin and we have to pay the price for that. But when the Lord brought the law forth, he brought the law to reveal to the people in the Old Testament that you people cannot be righteous in your, in your own actions. That the nature of man now is innately wicked. It loves to sin. And so you guys can't be righteous. You cannot be holy as God is holy. And so when we receive Jesus Christ, he gave us righteousness for free. He says, here, take what you cannot work for. Here, take what you cannot achieve. There were like over 600 different laws that the Israelites had to abide by. They could not do it. And so because God loves us so much, he made his divine redemption plan to redeem us unto himself. That all we had to do was just to believe in Jesus Christ to receive righteousness that we could not earn for ourselves because he loves us so that we wouldn't have to pay the price for our sins anymore so that we would have no adverse judgment for our sins because he loves us and we know that he done this and love was his motivation because in John 3:16 it says that for God so loved the world and that speaks to his whole creation. It says that he set his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. That God has made this plan for us and rid us of condemnation because he wants us to live in eternity with him because he loves us and we are his. The price has been paid. In Romans 8, it continues to say that the Lord sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. And Christ condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Like I said, he knew we could not attain our own righteousness. So he gave it to us for free if we believe in Jesus Christ. You know, the craziest thing is that Christ died for us, redeeming us from the adverse effect of sin, even before we were alive. And all we have to do to come into the, um, the ben to become benefactors of that, of that promise of this new covenant is just to believe in Christ. And I think the problem is with us as believers, 
we pray in the name of Jesus, but we don't actually know what he did for us. And I, and I don't say this as well to be harsh or judgmental, but I say it because if we really knew what Christ did for us, there's no way we could ever sit in condemnation. And so I, I charge you, I, I challenge you. Some of you are saying, oh, I know this already. If you know this, why are you still dealing with shame and guilt from what you did in 2022? If you know this, why are you still dealing with this condemnation? Why hasn't this been such a revelation in your heart that it's taken away the burden of shame from your shoulders and guilt? Why? You say you've understood the finished works of Jesus Christ, but you've been beating yourself up since you fell into sin in 2022. You've been running away from God. You've been allowing the enemy to fill your mind with shame, but you say that you understand this. If you understand this, this could never be the case. How can the enemy dare to come to you as a child of God to try and throw a spirit of condemnation upon you? How dare he? But you know why he does this? Because of our ignorance. Because of our ignorance. How can he who's going to be tormented in eternity forever dare to torment the elect of God? It must be because of our ignorance. He knows that we don't understand. He knows we don't have the revelation. He knows we know that we aren't. He knows that we haven't quite grasped yet that we are free from condemnation. And so he dares to tamper with our mindsets and he dares to tamper with our self-esteem and he even dared to bring you into this year feeling condemned, feeling guilty, feeling ashamed, feeling full of regret. You have to get mad of the enemy sometimes. You have to ask the question, how dare that guy try this with me? How dare he? Does he not know that I'm the elect of God trying to throw condemnation upon me? So was Jesus' acts on the cross made obsolete because of my shame? No. How dare he? You have to get mad. How dare you try and do this? I'm mad right now. How dare he cause somebody to come into this year and start doubting if God loves them because of condemnation? Because the person hasn't understood something. You have to get angry with him. And then find the truth of God and let it shift you. And read it and, and receive the revelation. And now one thing I want to point out is that maybe some of you are asking, so am I not supposed to feel sad or am I not supposed to feel upset if I've fallen into sin? No, it even says in 2 Corinthians, so the Corinthian church was a madness. I've been reading the epistles and I've been like, oh, this church was a madness. It's kind of like what's happening right now in the church, but I'm going to leave that one there. <laughs> it was a madness. So many crazy things happening. And so Paul wrote, wrote 1 Corinthians, sent it to them. And by 2 Corinthians, they had cha changed, you know, they'd been repentant. And so he speaks to the Corinthians who had demonstrated that they were repentant and changed their ways. And he identifies that in them, that godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be uh, regretted, but the sorrow of this world produces death. And so I want to encourage you. That you feeling upset or you feeling disappointed or you feeling sad about you falling into sin is godly. 
right? And you know, you should even be encouraged. That tells you that you are one of God's children. Because you see the people in the world, they do insane things. They have no moral compass, no conscience. Their conscience has been seared. They have no feelings of sorrow towards ungodly actions. Why? Because they haven't made a decision to walk in alignment with God's will. But you, the elect of God, the chosen of God, you God's child, when you do something that you know is not pleasing to God, you feel this conviction. I shouldn't be doing this. You feel this sadness. I shouldn't have done this. But the Bible speaks uh, and says in 2 Corinthians, godly sorrow leads to what? Repentance. So what is repentance? Repentance means to go another way. And for us as God's elect, it means for us to go God's way. In fact, repentance means to completely change direction. That if I was going north, I now I'm going south. I'm not going in that direction at all anymore. Right? And so you feeling sad is good. You feeling sad about what you've done is good. It shows God is within you. But it means that you shouldn't just stop at feeling sad. It's this humility that must come upon you that you begin to inquire of the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I realise I've done this thing that it's not pleasing to you. Would you help me? Would you show me in the word of God the truth of how I should live? Would you show me the standard that you have for me that I wouldn't sin against God again? That when we now repent and we choose to go God's way, we must renew our minds with his truth and pick the narrow path. We're not to sit in guilt. We're not to abide in shame. We're not to live with condemnation. We're not to distance ourselves from God. We're supposed to repent and we're supposed to find the truth and now walk in that way. I pray this liberates someone today. You have to remember that you've been bought at a price. That Christ has paid a price for you. And so what does this mean? Do you realise that Christ died for us even before we had accepted him? So even that demonstrates to us that he always thought despite us, maybe not even receiving him, we were always worth saving. Who makes a decision to surrender their life for somebody who may never even receive them? It's only God's love that can do that. That you are worth saving to Christ. Your life is precious to him. You are precious to him. And so you have to know that he loves you so much. And your mistakes, your sins, your transgressions, they don't disqualify you from sonship. They don't disqualify you from union. And they don't disqualify you from fellowship with God. Your mistakes, your sins, your mess ups, they don't annul your adoption. That we have been adopted by God now. Nobody adopts a child they don't want. An adopted child is a child who is wanted. They are chosen and they are wanted. And God adopted you because he wants you. Your mistakes don't cancel the finished work of Christ. The judgment that should have been given to you has already been given to Christ Jesus. You're free. <laughs> so does this mean that we should live our lives in sin, displeasing the one we claim to love? Absolutely not. Or as Paul would say, certainly not. <laughs> 
Instead, what we do now is we live our lives with the Holy Spirit of the living God. We walk with the Spirit of God so we, we don't end up fulfilling the desires of our flesh. And so what we do now, rather than living in condemnation, we ask God for help. We ask God for grace, for guidance, for strength, for wisdom, so that we wouldn't do these things that displease him. What we do now, instead of living in condemnation and guilt and in shame, we read the word of God. We fill our minds and our hearts with the truth of the word of God so that our mind may be renewed, so that we will look more like him and less like the world. Instead of living in condemnation, now we fast and pray, we kill this flesh. We ensure that our flesh is surrendered and submitted under the spirit of God living on the inside of us, that God may have lordship over us. But condemnation, we take no part in it. You have to know, condemnation has got nothing to do with you anymore. Condemnation is no longer your business. Because Christ has made us free in him. And so I want to speak directly to the one who fell in 2022. You who disqualified yourself in the Lord. You who've carried your shame and your stain of sin with you into 2023. The Lord told me to tell you that you're free. He told me to remind you that you're forgiven. And he says to you, go and sin no more. There is no condemnation for you. No awful verdict. The one who has gone before you has paid the price for you. You don't need to sit there anymore with handcuffs on your feet and your hands. Though they're already unlocked. These handcuffs are not even tightened anymore. They're unlocked handcuffs. But you sit there because you haven't quite understood yet that you're free to go. Because the one who loves us so deeply and his love for us is so unwavering and it's so wide. He's paid the price for you, my beloved. This means that you can be free. The righteousness you can never earn for yourself, it's already in you. And now all you have to do is let the Holy Spirit conform you into Christ Jesus, your bridegroom. Let the Holy Spirit correct you. Let the Holy Spirit chasten you. Let the Holy Spirit help you, counsel you. You think God didn't know you're going to get some stuff wrong? Just read the word of God. Everybody was making mistakes up and down. He knew we couldn't be perfect. (laughs) He knew we're going to get things wrong, but he paid the price. You don't have to be ashamed of that fornication anymore, that addiction, that pregnancy, that relationship, that bad mistake, those bad decisions. He doesn't think you're stupid. He doesn't think you're unworthy of his love. He's your father and his love for you is everlasting. You can't escape his love and he's waiting eagerly for you to return. So return to him and when you return, return as a son and not one who made a mistake. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son 
the prodigal, when he came to himself, he wanted to return to his father's house as a servant. And he said that it would be better to return even as a servant. But when his father saw him, he did not receive him and treat him like a servant. He treated him like a son. And this is how God sees us as his sons. He sees us as his children, that when we come back to him, though we have made a mistake, he does not gown us in our shame and he does not gown us in regret and he does not gown us in dishonor and he does not gown us in guilt no rather he treats us still as his sons treats us with love and still honors us as his children because he says that if we come to him and confess our sins we are forgiven what happened to the prodigal son was that his father actually threw a banquet for him because he temporarily departed from his father's house, but he never absconded his rightful position as his father's son. And this is the same for you. We thank God for Jesus Christ, that even when we mess up, we're still sons. We're still children of God. That no matter what you have done, you are still the Lord's. And as long as you've received Christ for you, there's no condemnation. There's no adverse judgment for you. So what you need to do is confess your sin. Ask the Lord for mercy. His word in 1 John uh, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so confess and then believe instantly that you've been forgiven. For God is not a liar and he's faithful to forgive. And so I encourage you, my love, as the Lord said, go, sin no more. You are forgiven. You are free. And one scripture that I love so much, and it always reminds me that in this walk with God, how can I keep myself, Lord Jesus? There's actually, there's two. And I think it's in the book of Psalms, it says, how can a young man keep his way? And it says, by living his life, in accordance with the word of God. And so the word of God gives us standards and principles for living. And if you've made a mistake, I guarantee you haven't had revelation in that area. And it's still something you're still struggling with. Go and renew your mind. I'm telling you, it will transform things for you. Firstly. Secondly, we have to always remember in the book of Jude, it says, now unto him that is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our saviour, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. The first line of that is so powerful. Now unto him, unto God, unto Christ, who is able to keep us from stumbling. We have to remember that we don't just serve a God who's in heaven and he just watches us make mistakes and fall and mess up. He's able to keep us if we let him. He's able to keep us if we surrender our lives to him. He's able to keep us if we walk with the Holy Spirit. If we humble ourselves and we cry out to him for help, he's able to keep us. God is able to keep us. When that temptation arises to sin, God is able to keep us. When the door opens for temptation, for things you know aren't pleasing to God, remind yourself God is able to keep me. Go and pray. 
when life throws you things or opportunities that you can use that would you know dishonor god remind yourself "Mm, i'm not going to do this and it's hard to say no but remember god is able to keep me god can keep me he is able i don't have the strength if it's up to me me i already go and and do something naughty but god is able to keep me would you ask god to help to keep you he is able trust him he will keep you and present you blameless faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy in the name of jesus guys i pray you enjoyed that episode I pray it blessed you. I pray for somebody it set them free. I pray it liberated their mind, their heart, their understanding, the will, their emotions and brought them into this revelation that there is now no condemnation, no adverse judgment for us and for us to live with the Holy Spirit, to walk with God and believe that he can keep us from stumbling. I pray you walk into 2023 now with a new perspective of liberty, of freedom. Look at your, look before you, look at a wall before you, a blank wall. This is how God sees your life. He's not holding these things against you. And if you know you've fallen, just confess. Confess and be free. Confess and be free. My belly has been rumbling, guys, in the background. If you're hearing any, it's my belly, I'm very sorry. Because I don't know if I'll be able to get it out of the audio. I'm just keeping it 100 with you guys. I'm my belly is rumbling. I don't even know why it's rumbling like this. My God, rumbling in the jaw. It's starting again. Excuse me. Let me go, Joe. Anyway, guys, I love you guys. We'll be back next week for our final episode in this series. Love you, love you, love you, love you. God bless. Take care. Good night. Godspeed. Bye bye. <laughs> oh, I'll be back only for another episode on matters of.